In episode two of Tech It Up Talk, listen to school leaders as they discuss their experience and challenges as leaders and the essential need to embrace technology as a part of their leadership practices. You ready? Here we go. The Tech It Up Talk podcast aspires to educate, inform, and inspire educators from teachers to school leaders on tips, tools, and resources to support the integration of technology into classroom instruction. You're listening to Tech It Up Talk with Dr. Mack, your host with the most passion for supporting educators from teachers to school leaders in the integration of technology into instruction. In today's show, I have two special guests who are going to empower us with their knowledge and experience as school leaders in education. I have Ms. Danielle Wallace, who has been an educational leader for over two decades. And prior to becoming a principal, she was a classroom teacher for 18 years in one of the largest urban districts in the state of Ohio. Her transition to principalship was non-traditional at best, having never served as an assistant principal before. She was recently appointed principal within the Cincinnati Public School District after five successful years leading in a small neighboring urban district. I also have here Ms. Rosa Hernandez, who has 23 years of experience in urban education and has a proven track record for closing the achievement gap. During her career in education, she has served a variety of roles, such as a clerk, a teacher's aide, an ESL teacher, an assistant principal, a principal and an interim principal for two turnaround high schools. She was director of school's office, power-up, and curriculum, and she is now a lead principal. Uh, she is also the CEO for the P&R Educational Consulting Firm, which in which she's known with her clients for establishing a strong academic instructional systems and routines that lead to closing the achievement gap in students' academic and social success. So I would like to give a warm welcome to both my guests today, Ms. Danielle Wallace and Rosa Hernandez. Thank you for having us. Thank you you guys for joining. I'm so honored that you guys were able to be a part of uh, my my vision, my goal in supporting educators and implementing technology and just kind of hearing what your experiences are today um, and your challenges that you've had to overcome especially with our current times, would be very impactful, I feel, for other leaders. Um, and I, I wanted to ask if, Rosa, I, I know you have a P&R educational consulting company. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to share about that before we get started, we would love to hear more about it. Great. No, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. So I have a small um, a consulting firm, and um, me and my partner, Paula Pierre, um, we consult uh, mostly leaders or aspiring leaders. We do a lot of coaching who, for teachers who want to move from teacher to that assistant principal role, which is usually a big job for them. So we do a lot of coaching, resume building, um, um, leadership building. Um, how to, um, we do a lot of coaching with schools and principals. We'll come out and do PD on pretty much anything with school systems, from data to curriculum to to um, just creating strong systems for that learning process. And so my partner and I have a couple of different contracts with different um, school districts, but we also have one-on-one coaching. So um, you can visit PNR Educational Solutions. Our motto is invest in yourself. There's nothing better than to invest in yourself so that you can invest in others. So um, visit our website at pnreducationalsolutions.com or um, follow us at, on Twitter account at E-D-U-C underscore solutions. And we'd love to support you and meet your educational and your district goals. All right. Well, thank you for sharing. Now, in, in past episodes that I've, I've done, we really centered the conversations around the impact of COVID-19 and education as it's really been real and has had an ongoing and evolving impact in education. So in this show, I want to kind of continue that work of educating and informing and highlighting educational experiences such as your own uh, with tips and best practices for embracing technology with emphasis on leadership. So now, Danielle, I know that you're in Cincinnati and Rosa and I are located in Houston, Texas. So I'm familiar with things that are happening in our area of Texas, but can you kind of share, I guess, the setup for you guys in Cincinnati? Absolutely. So the ironic thing about 
being in education for so long, you get into a space of predictability. Like you know how to open the year, you know how to close the year, and you know where it's going to be kind of wonky in, in between. You're just used to that as an educational leader. And so having been a primary teacher, I, I know what it feels like to go through the seasons and the holidays with young students. We had no frame of reference in the state of Ohio for COVID-19. In fact, that week that uh, our governor, he was one of the first governors in the nation to kind of do the early shutdown, which really threw us for a loop. But that particular week was two weeks before our spring break. So, you know, if you've been in a school setting, anytime you're marching through March, you can feel the anxiety. And so I think for us, we didn't even understand the impact of the pandemic coming because we thought this was just him overreacting to something that was happening in other parts of the nation. And so for us, it was just a a sigh of relief, like, okay, we're just going to have this extra two weeks of spring break, and then we'll be back in the world as normal. And that certainly was not the case. So we were kind of flying at the seat of our pants once we realized the true impact of that across just not Ohio, but in the nation. And it just totally, you're not prepared for that. That is not in any instructional program I've ever participated in. So we have come a long way, but our students have not physically been back in any of our buildings across the state since March. And so we are trying to onboard for a new school year. And it is not consistent across the state what districts are doing because Governor DeWine is leaving it up to local leadership to make those decisions. So you can imagine what parents are trying to figure out in the midst of all of this and needing to go to work now that work is open again in our state. All right. Yeah. So did you guys have technology already accessible? We, the, the- we did. But the ironic thing for us is I'm in a new tech school. So we were not unfamiliar with having technology available to our students. My building is K through two. So our second graders were one to one. They were used to being on their Chromebook every day. They, we were just maybe two years into the process of like you literally start your day on your device and it's self-directed. Our kindergarten and first graders, however, we were one device for every two students. They were Chromebooks, but when we got ready to deploy them out, once we realized kids couldn't back in, come back into the school, that's where we recognized that there was a huge equity issue because we did not have enough devices to provide for all of our students. And so you have teachers creating digital work, but no devices. And so we are a relatively high poverty district. And so that also created, we don't have parents that can just go out and get a device to kind of catch up. So it, it has been a challenge. Our second graders definitely had the most experience, but not enough to work virtually for months at a time. We were not prepared for that. Okay. And Rosa, what was your experience like um, with working with secondary schools? I know she's elementary. So what was your experience with that transition? Well, Dr. Mack, as you know, um, Houston, I think we're a little uh, ahead the curve when when you think about technology. Um, Our 44, as a former power-up director for HIC, um, all our high schools are one-on-one. So um, we're kind of we were kind of used to the one on one technology. Um, and I came from a middle school that was one on one. My current com- campus is pretty much, I think, 90 percent one on one. We were, you know, for a little, little, a little short, but pretty much one on one. So um, we've had lots of experiences with technology and, and, and online learning. But my big ha ha, I think, as a, and, and as a district, I think is that equity piece that um Danielle was talking about, you know, once they got home, did they have internet? Mm-hmm. I think that was a, a big one. Did community um, know how to interact and interface online? I think we, we were struggling more with uh, not so much, I think, device issues, though there are some schools that do need it. I'm very fortunate. My school um, uh, is very close to that. But um, I think a lot of the struggle and the transition was do they have internet access? Do, are their academic, their social emotional needs met at home? Um, because we do serve a high um, at needs population in our district. So I think that equity across the haves and haves not kind of came up with what's kind of the biggest challenge. Um, but I also think, you know, two years ago, Houston faced Harvey and um, uh, we had to do a lot of transition during that time. And I think those were some hard lessons as a district we learned so that when we got into COVID, um, our super, we were very grateful. Our superintendent made some really good, strong choices early on, 
Mm -hmm. Um, I think we um, had a lot of thought process in between those choices so that we can roll out a good system. For us, it was really seamless because we had that spring break time. Mm -hmm. So we were able to do a lot of planning. I know many principals who spent their spring break planning, rolling out laptops. We knew this was going to go long term um, because we had those effects of Harvey. So we kind of knew what that looked like and rebuilding schools. So um, a lot of us kind of worked our spring break, making sure that we knew this was going to be kind of long term. I mean, we didn't think this long term, definitely. I don't know anyone thought it was going to be this long, but I definitely think that in HIC, we had a hands-on with a lot of the technology. We have a huge PD department, a technology department that was able to like, hey, here's some ideas, here's some brainstorming. We had a lot of thought partners in the in moving to online. So definitely some big challenges. Definitely didn't see it this long, but I think that um, we had a lot of background that helped us um, be successful with some of those transitions that um, I think other school districts, maybe across the nation are challenging, are being challenged with. Absolutely. So in preparing for upcoming school year, um, like what are you guys planning to do different from your experiences and your challenges for this upcoming school year? And is it still things you're still trying to figure out? Are there still challenges you're trying to overcome? Or in, is there anything you've learned, I guess, from that, those past experiences that you are going to do differently this go around? Yes, I think it for us, um, it's Cincinnati particularly. So in the midst of COVID, I also decided to leave one district and enter another because that would only make sense in my career. <laughs> and so I think one thing that we have learned, even in my previous district, is we forgot about a big bucket of people that have to support this work at home, and that's the parents. So now mm-hmm. our approach is how do we onboard parents to using devices at home with their students? I think there's this misconception that all of our students are tech savvy because they have smartphones, but the smartphone is not the same as a laptop or a Chromebook or using an educational platform on a device. You and all of us know that what you can see on your phone does not always transfer to what you can see on a larger monitor. So we are being diligent about one, communicating the expectations to parents, but then also having empathy in terms of we're planning a virtual school day and a parent has to work. How do we then record lessons so that they can view them later? How do we offer almost like tech hubs for parents to just bring them up to speed with Google Classroom? That's something that may be familiar to us as educators. But for a parent, they have no concept of even where to start. But then also our district is hosting parent town hall meetings virtually. So that gives them one, some exposure to using Google Meet and that sort of thing but also to hear the concerns that maybe we've missed because we have our educator glasses on and sometimes they're on so tight, even if we're already parents at home, we're not thinking about the parent who is not also an educator and what their needs may be. So that was a big lesson for us. Also to your point, Rosa, about the connectivity. So we've partnered with Cincinnati Bell, which is our largest phone provider, but now our glitch is they're providing free internet services if your phone bill is paid up. Well, if you're a person mm-hmm. in poverty and you've lost your job as a result of COVID, that's maybe one bill that you have not stayed up with. So now we're trying to partner with organizations that can help parents offset the cost so that they can get a running start when we hit the road um, in August. So it's it's been a lot of discovery as a district. I think every day we get a different communication that we're changing course because we found a new need and we want to meet all of the needs of all of our students. And then like, what does that look like for grading, especially secondary? You're going off to college and you've had this crazy end of your junior year. And that's our household. I have a daughter who's going into her senior year. So you left virtually and you're starting virtually. And how does that align to the expectations of going off to higher education? So just so much to think about and consider, especially as we are onboarding every age group on a device and it sounds good on paper, but in real time, what does that look like and how do we offer support? Right. And I, yeah. And I agree with you, Danielle, um, that parent piece is important. You know, my husband and I are both principals. And so we're online with our staff meetings and our, our you know, my hundred staff members. And then my husband's online upstairs with his staff. My kids are online on their iPads with their teachers. And so managing being a mom, managing being a principal, um, imagining that we're very fortunate. And, you know, my kids, we have technology in my home. We have internet. We have 
broad, a, a good internet service and um, they're able to be on, I'm able to be on, we're able to operate all at the same time. But imagine that home that isn't, right? Growing up, I didn't have those things. We didn't have internet when I was growing up. We didn't have a cell phone growing up, you know, when I grew up. And so um, my parents would have never knew how to support me with online learning or or a learning period. My parents didn't graduate from, from, from middle school, right? So um, there's definitely those gaps, I think, when we transition parent was a huge one. Um, that basic emotional and um, social needs were huge for us. Um, so figuring out how to get your community access. It was like, okay, I gave you a device, but now how does that hotspot work? And um, do I have good broadband, right? Can I get on it for an hour or can I get on it for six? And then how does that work instructionally? I think as principals, I know for my school and a lot of principals, we were just trying to figure out, okay, how do you do school online? Let's re- we had to rethink everything. How do you rethink your handbook, right? How do you rethink visitors? How do you rethink, how do you evaluate teachers? How do you evaluate what students are learning? Did they get it? How do you know that if they didn't want to turn on their screens? And, and rethinking how we're going to do this year because last year we didn't require kids to turn on their cameras so they can, you know, we didn't know what they were doing behind closed doors, so to speak, right? Now we're like, oh no, in that handbook, you know, I need your screen on. I need to know if you're engaged. Do I have your eyeballs there? Um, are we checking for understanding differently? Figuring out what tools can I do for checking for understanding that maybe we weren't doing last year, right? Because we're just getting kids on. We were learning last year. And giving yourself room to make mistakes. For example, Dr. Mack, we started with one way to contact parents. We had this really cool way that we thought we were keeping up with all our parents. It didn't work. <laughs> and we had to go back to the drawing table and say, okay, it's not working. Midstream, I think like in April, we're like, it's not working. Um, let's think about it again. Um, and then we recreated our system and we were okay with it because we had to figure out and give ourselves some grace that we're going to uh, fall a little bit, make some mistakes a little bit, figure we're, we're all going to make mistakes and we have to be able to give each other grace in that time because it's on new thinking. So there was tons of challenges as we transitioned from visitors to um, how we were having PLC meetings. Uh, to kids kicking at each other out of meetings, you know. So we had to go and we use Teams as our HIV platform. And so if you don't set up Teams where um, kids don't have editing rights, they just have viewing, they can kick each other out. So we learned that, right? We didn't know that when we started. We definitely knew when we were having lessons when they started kicking each other out. So then how do you do discipline and how do you do social emotional learning while they're online? That definitely was a challenge and we had to rethink about it. Okay, let's remove that access. No one's kicking anyone out. Um, we had to have to create a space. So if you did have to have a conversation, we had that private space, right? Um, little Rosa, you're talking, you know, meet so-and-so, you know, or do it on chat. So there was a lot of really fun um, things that we had to talk to, um, some frustration. And then I had to remind, um, I think the biggest one was also with staff and keeping them inspired. Because our teachers, their why is huge, right? They come every day wanting to support kids. It's why we got an education, right? And we're not seeing them face to face. And I think that in itself was the biggest transition is that we missed our kids. I miss my kids. I miss the physical, hey, how you doing? High five, give them a side hug. And I couldn't do that anymore. And I couldn't see my staff. I couldn't see my kids. And that was a struggle. So meaning that emotional need of my campus to keep them motivated and inspired and then figuring the ways to bring the kids online and engaging them so they felt connected to us and not so so isolated. Um, so those are just, I know those aren't just technology, but we have to think in this age, yes, technology is important, but what we do with it and how we connect with it, I think it's just as important as the piece of technology we choose to use. Whatever platform, it has to connect to human relationships and building human capital. I think um, if that's not on your platform, it doesn't matter what LMS system you have, um, how great your kids or what resources they have. If you're not connecting as a person, then we're missing the big picture. So that, 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 that was a big challenge, making sure that human connection stayed consistent and everyone stayed engaged. Right. Yeah. Technology is definitely a vehicle that 
should be used. And sometimes I, I think in the past pre-COVID, uh, a lot of people saw it as just a separate entity as a part mm-hmm. of the organization. And, but it's really a, a vehicle you're leveraging to maximize all the things that you're talking about. So yeah, you say it's not technology, but it, it actually it is because it's, it's, it's how you're using it, how purposeful you're being with the use of technology. So um, yeah, it's not a gimmick, but how are you using it to drive instruction? And are you picking the right technology needs to meet the kids' needs? And each community looks different. Right. So I, with that said, like, what was your experiences as a leader in having to now, you mentioned so many different things that you guys had to learn and do in a, such a short amount of time. So you developing and having to use some of these tools yourself, uh, what were your experiences in having to adapt to these uh, new virtual learning tools and environments? Yeah, I think for me, one of the big ahas for me as a leader is, one, you need a tech accountability partner. So we have tech teachers, coaches, that sort of thing in our district. But oftentimes for me as a leader, that wasn't my focus because I was more hands-on with the people part of the work. And so I I could call on someone on my team to create uh, some type of digital messaging for the staff, but now I have to be the one doing it because I'm at my house and they're somewhere else. So having that partner that you can pick up your cell phone and have a conversation with or even set up a private Google Meet to just Mm -hmm. say, teach me how to do this so that when I'm using it with my team, one, it helps to take the edge off for some of my veteran teachers that are having a lot of anxiety. I think we learned that we are not all created equally as classroom teachers. And so what the one who just got out of college knows how to do on a device is totally different from someone who's in their 30th year of teaching if they're not naturally wired like a tech person. That's what we found out. But then also you needed a tech accountability partner. It's just someone who's going to come and support you without judgment and walk you through it because technology changes so quickly that for one moment we were all using Zoom and then we realized that there's all this crazy stuff going on Zoom, and we got to get five-year-olds off of Zoom. Got to do Zoom. Now we're on Google Meet. Oh wait, we have to have Gmail accounts for the kids, and they don't really have to. So it was just all of those things on a dime because parents were expecting instruction to keep going at the same level that it was going in the building. So that part really was helpful for me because I knew that I had a few colleagues that I could call or a teacher in the building that I could say hey, I want to set up this Google Meet and I need breakout rooms. Did Google figure out how to do that yet? Because I know how to do it on Zoom. Okay, give me 24 hours and then we can make it happen. And you are going to have issues. Even now in our new district, we're rolling out um, Schoology. Schoology. And so they've been using it in the district, but I knew for a year. So it's new for them, but it's super new for me. And they did a demo PD for us as principals. Well, they had all kind of glitches, but I took it as a, sigh of relief. Like we're learning this together. You're not as far behind as you thought because I'm a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to something like that. And so that made me feel better, but it also reminded me that I have to have that same grace to your point, Rosa, with my teachers because they're coming in at different levels. We got to give each other grace. We got to give each other grace. (laughs) To have like a whole semester of instruction in an elementary school online, like We've never had to do that before. And I think our district leaders have been very conscious of not pushing too hard. I think in March, we all were on fire, literally. And so we were in crisis mode. But now we've had the summer to kind of process. We've been watching our COVID numbers. We recognize that we're not going back. It's not time. But now we've had time to unpack this and work in teams to develop content for students that's more meaningful, but also like a who let it out. It's okay to have more time. So I think that's been a blessing and a curse to really go through this pandemic experience as an educational leader. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to agree with you. Um, I, um, we, we had, we had a lot of, I think the challenges were um, some of them were our technology challenges, getting just kids online. A lot of it was, you know, yeah, we have the devices and we're passing them out, but then we realized that the parents and the communities didn't have the broadbands or the internet. So we were, we partner up. We're very fortunate. T-Mobile was our middle school partner and gave us tons of hotspots. I mean, um, I think it's called the million dollar project. We had Sprint, I think also for high school. So we had, um, Infinity gave, um, some of our, um, 30 days access and then 60 day access and then a longer access. So I think um, um, I think there were a lot of really great companies out there that said, hey, education is important. 
So as we were facing challenges, they were trying to help us solve those. Um, but even with those um, supports, um, you're right, there's this, this huge haves and have nots and kids um, and parents not knowing how to keep their kids online or having to work and figure out, you know, I'm working still. Some of us were working, some of us were home, some of us lost jobs. A lot of my family's parents lost jobs. And so they didn't know how, when they were gonna um, put food on the table, um, whether some, some of them lost electricity. So yeah, you can give a kid a, a hotspot mm-hmm. and you can give them the McDonald's, McMac, you can give them a, a device, right? But if they don't have electricity, you yeah. know, you can't really use those, right? Mm-hmm. And your iPhone's only gonna go so far, right? So um, getting our wraparound services with a, a, a up and running and with that look um, online and virtually, how do we get food? You know, um, food drives in our district was huge. We had thousands of families come and eat because we know, um, technology and education is important, but if kids don't have food in their tummies, then, you know, we're kind of going in circles. So I think our district realizing that some of those challenges and, and meeting those hierarchy needs. So we worked on that was a challenge. And I think our wraparound did a really great job and, and working with food banks and different things to get kids food. But then just technology wise, um, what we struggled with and some challenges was how do you run a school online? Like just not beyond just the like teaching, right? Teaching is the most important things, but you know, as an educator, Danielle and McDonald, that um, that so you we have to teach, but we also have to um, grade, right? We have to take attendance, we have to um, follow protocol and HIPAA and all those privacy rights. We have to make sure kids eat. We have to make sure uh, teachers have planning time. That you know, so how do you do all that virtual? And what does your systems look like? We had to do a lot of system thinking, right? Uh, a lot of system thinking. Okay, we did it this way. So how does it look virtually? Um, so that was a big challenge is putting our, our, our caps on. And I agree with you, Danielle, completely uh, having thinking partners, accountability partners. Hey, how are you doing this? And being honest about what didn't work for you or what isn't working with your community and saying, okay, well, I got 20% of my kids who I can't contact. How are you guys contacting in the COVID? How are you using technology? Um, um, and then, you know, a lot of our parents weren't answering the phone because our teachers didn't want to, you know, use their numbers. So we were put dialing star 69 or we were using a Google number. And then the parent didn't recognize the number and like, yeah, we're not picking up. And those are realities, right? People hate to say those aren't, but those are realities principles face every day. You know, you know, people not picking up the phone and we want to help you. We got the technology. We got the people. You got to pick up the phone. Right. So little things like that. I mean, it was it was a lot. It was different challenges every day. And I think the biggest challenge is, again, going back to human capital and making sure they're excited about doing the work, that they feel supported about doing the work and that they have grace if we make mistakes along the way. Um, if we stumble, it's okay. It's how we get back up that matters, right? Right. Um, and I think you want to not overwhelm your population. So I know one mistake that we made was we were so used to things to communicate with parents like class dojo, but then exactly over we were like, well, how do we transition them to Google? Well, now we need to communicate with them through Google, and they're just like, what is this all about? Well, we had to narrow our scope for the type of technology that we were actually going to use so that we can then train them up. Like if this is the only way you can communicate with us, then you have to learn how to use it. And I think that was a quick win for us once we got the ball, the ball rolling. Because how, how, how about Daniel's with uh, uh, people calling you? So we're on teams and we had kids calling us at 11 o'clock at night because, you know, kids are all tweeting and on Facebook yeah. and Instagram at two in the morning. Right. And you get your uh, six, your, your sixth grader calling you. Hey, Miss Hernandez, you up? Right. And I'm like, you know, and they're coming all hours. You know, I used to have my phone by my bedside and, yeah. you know, their teams and they're teaming me on teams all the time. They have 24, 24 hours, 24 7 access to us. Yeah. 20, 24 7 <laughs> access to us. And they were definitely using it. So figuring out how to put on alerts so that you have some balance. It's a lot of work around digital. Um, usage and like have matrices for how do you go out for recess how do you use bathroom in the building but now we have to have like this whole tech matrix like to your 
you have to turn your etiquette. <laughs> what phone etiquette? Be on there with you. Like if grandma says a profane word, I need you to know where the mute button is. Like all of those things we hadn't considered because you wouldn't do that in a classroom setting most of the time. Right. <laughs> you don't know until you're actually in the midst of it. And then if you're a teacher and a mom or a dad, you have your own little coworkers that want you to also facilitate learning with them. So how do we set that up with office hours? So the teacher is available at this time, and this is the link to get to the teacher. Mm-hmm. But other times you need to be self-directed because she has another role in her life. So Oh, oh, I definitely had to put a sign on my door. Danielle had to put a sign on my door that says, Mommy is at work. Yeah. You know, my, my son might come in, he might be done with his Google class, but I'm having a faculty meeting and he's running in. Hey, mom, where's my raviolis? Are you going to warm them up? And I'm like, yo, I'm on the phone. You know, I'm with my staff, sweetheart. And I'm like muting my staff and talking to my son. And so, you know, those non-negotiable, I mean, at work, you're at work and your kids are at school. Now we're kind of, our lives are merging and we're trying to figure out like space. Right. Um, technology yeah. space, home space, some right. balance. Um, I, I don't know if you guys face that. <laughs> I know I had the same experience with my five year old. She would, well, I have pr- plenty of webinars where she uh, randomly come in, <laughs> random, and know the virtual backgrounds and always keep her out. So she learned to put her head through the background. Mm-hmm. So it's always, it's always an interruption. At first, I was like, oh my goodness, this is so embarrassing. But then I realized that this is a norm for. So many people. <laughs> yeah. Here, mommy, I need my face shown. I learned that if I back up, you can't see. And she's going to put herself right in the camera. Because <laughs> they're smart. They're smarter than us every day. They, I mean, like I think Danielle mentioned right out of college, they know things that we didn't get experience to. Well, and we're the ones who have to keep up with them sometimes. So, yeah, that five-year-old, she, she probably knows some tricks that we don't know yet. That's right. <laughs> right. All right. Well, we're going to move to our next segment, which is uh, get your tech together. So in this segment, I want you guys to kind of share what you think are some must have uh, tools that school leaders or maybe even teachers uh, should have in their toolbox um, or in place at their campus or virtual campus, I should say, uh, to support virtual learning. So you guys can just uh, share what you guys think, what tools specifically would be good. I'm going to share first because I this is a must for me. I must have you as a leader. I don't know. I don't, this is just me. OneNote. OneNote is a God saver for me. I organize everything on OneNote. Like we went, we went from, cause I had, I'm a systems person. I have to have PLCs. I have to have a handbook. I have to have rules. I need to know what's going on in my classroom. My teachers need that, you know, um, consistency from us. So I have everything on OneNote. I have our faculty meetings, our professional development. We're able to share. We have collaboration space. I'm able to lock out certain things like our admin stuff that's private. Um, I'm able to put a password on it and keep that. I'm able, uh, my teachers are able to upload their PLC minutes because, you know, maybe I miss a conversation because I'm dealing with something else. So we do everything on Outlook and we we post our our, um, Outlook agendas and then we upload them on one. OneNote, um, we go in there for all our data, our parent contacts, our progress reports, our grading. It's kind of like a one-stop shop. Um, it's like kind of our virtual like systems. And we have tabs for everything, tabs for professional development, tabs for our programs, our special programs, tabs for our data, all the communication that goes out. I upload it or whoever's sending out the communication. So if you need to know what's going on, if you have questions, you want to know what's coming up, you want to know when the building's open, you want to know what technology people are using out there. We uploaded our videos. Our instru- I mean, everything was, I was able to build on OneNote and my campus liked it because it was quick fix. I can click on here and I have this information. And even if when we go back to school, I, I, I'm not walking away from it. I, I, I'm like, I'm bought into it. We're doing OneNote anywhere. I'm a principal or a leader. Um, it's just an easy way to keep all my systems. And my teachers actually, like Ms. Hernandez, we're going to have OneNote next year, right? We're going to be able to see the faculty handbook on OneNote. We're going to be able to post our PLCs and see what, yes, we're doing OneNote. I, I'm already building it. We're, we got it going. So for me, OneNote is a must as a leader, as a teacher, as an educator. Like, it's just a really good tool and, and just a really neat space that everyone gets to add to. Right. So for me, now being at the secondary super tech level, I am 
living in the world of Google. So I went from one Google district to another. And so I must have Google Drive because I was the queen of I need a flash drive and I can never let this go. <laughs> and I was not believing in the cloud. It took me forever and I'm only in my <laughs> but I was like, I'm not buying the cloud. I can't see the files. <laughs> I need a flash drive. And now I'm totally converted. Everything's in a drive. Everything's in a folder. Teams have separate folders. The district has folders. Share it with me. It's my own. And literally, I love Google Drive because I can take it on my phone wherever I go. So many times you're looking for a document and you're like, oh, wait, it's right here. So that has been a game changer for me just to keep me organized. That and then having Google Calendar at work and at home. So having a shared calendar with a teenager who's very Mm -hmm. active. No more, mom, you forgot to pick me up. I got it. Here's an alert. Get to the school. But Mm -hmm. I'll keep my secretary and I sane and on the same page. So hit my calendar, put it in the calendar. I obsessively tell teachers after a conversation, send me an invite because I will not remember that we had this conversation nor that we're having a follow-up. It just keeps me organized and I can see it on my phone 24 hours a day. So that well, has- we, I, yeah, I can't live without my G Suite. You can't live without your G Suite. You need your G Suite. You need your OneDrive. I need to be able to uh, open my phone, see exactly where my stuff is at. Absolutely. Um, you know, another thing, um, Dr. Mack, um, that um, I really think uh, that is important, um, You, we have a lot of ELL learners in HIC right. uh, in Houston, um, and my school is almost 40%. And so um, Flipgrade was something that was really cool that worked for us, for my ELL learners. You know, they got to take telepath, they got to do that listening, speaking portion. And so I like Flipgrid because we get to record segments, you know, maybe we were doing read alouds and and uh, my husband used it too in elementary because we kind of showed him what we were doing with Flipgrid and, you know, be able to tell stories and kids were writing stories. My 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 um, my son was in fourth grade last year. And so the writing test in Texas is fourth grade. And so um, he would write and then he would read orally his scripts into Flipgrid and he would make stories. And so they his class had this like list of like 30, 40, 50 stories and they wow. were creating their books online. And then for my kids at the middle school level, we're using it for telepaths to practice, to do read alouds for fluency. So I really like I really like Flipgrid because it, it gets you um, that listening, that speaking, that visual, um, incorporating the writing with the scripting, and then practicing live. And then when they be, when they get older, being comfortable, right, to be able to right. re-record like what we're doing now. But they get to practice it in snippets, right? <laughs> so they get really good at it. When they get our age, you know, they'll be masters. So Flipgrid was really powerful for us and for ELL kids to meet our ELL goals. Yeah. Well, you know, Flipgrid has an immersive reader in there too. So it's also a lot of Microsoft products have the immersive reader built in so that it can help them with pacing the reading. Even if you're given the topic and they're, they're not clear of the topic, I like that part. And also in Flipgrid, they have a caption ability. So um, I, had a, I had a teacher, actually a uh, Spanish teacher, he was using it for his students to uh, get comfortable with saying words. Um, oh, yes. They would, they would, he would use the caption or they would allow uh, the caption to help them see like how they're pronouncing. They can see their other classmates do the mm-hmm. same thing. So those were uh, some good tools. And then I had, a yeah. Yeah, I had an ESL teacher. She would use it so that when they were learning English, that they could uh, practice the enunciation and see themselves, um, how they were moving their mouth to make sure that they were uh, saying the word correctly or they yeah, putting that tongue in that right yeah. spot so they can get that R road. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So Flipgrid is an amazing tool. And it, they've um, been adding so many different things to it to make it more engaging for students uh, and, and teachers. So I definitely say if you have not used Flipgrid yet, then you should be using it. Uh, mm-hmm. You will enjoy it. Your kids enjoy it because it's fun for them. They have the stickers and the, uh, they now have frames on there. You can do mm-hmm. for your video. So it's, it's something fun. And then they're still being able to showcase their and knowledge. You can do those quick uh, QF, Q, Q, I'm sorry, CFQs, those quick checking for understanding, right, right? right? I don't have time for every kid to speak, right? Because it, it is difficult, right? It's, you can't, we can't all talk over each other, right? Mm-hmm. So having them go on for two minutes and what did I learn today? Or um, here's a question. I need to make sure you understand it, record it. Mm-hmm. And then as a teacher, I can go back and listen to all of those and make sure, hey, my kid got it. They got that learning target today. Right, right. 
Well, let's move to our last segment of the show, which I like to call the Tech Smackdown. So in the Tech Smackdown, this is a place where you guys are going to share tips and best practices for other school leaders or even teachers, if you like. Um, I want your top three tips and we're going to go tip for tip. And then this is a place where the audience, my listeners can come back in and share with me who they felt had the best tip of the tips. And of course, I'll let you guys know what the vote was. Um, but if you guys can share your top three tips and we can go back and forth. Um, and whoever wants to go first and go first. If you guys want to do paper, rock, scissors to go first, we can do that too. <laughs> and then we'll just go uh, tip for tip, three tips, your top three. Yeah, I will go first. Um, so my first tip would be to not shy away from using social media to promote your work as a leader. I was anti-social media at the beginning because I was trying to keep my bubble, my bubble. But when we think about who we serve and what they use as a vehicle for communication, there's so much value in creating your Facebook page for your district or your building, your Instagram page, but also con constant communication on that Facebook wall and then giving them access to where they can post questions in those messages. I just I never thought about that. But sometimes parents need to get to you right away. But also you don't feel like you are on the hot seat because you can see the question posed in that message before, you know, old school, you get the voicemail from so-and-so's mom and you're like, oh, do I answer? But now you can see it and you have some more think time because it's digital. So that would be my first tip is to utilize the tools that they actually use in real time. So instead of trying to pull them into the building, let's go into their world to get the building to their world. So that would be oh, like that. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with uh, uh, OneNote um, and or or any system that's gonna develop strong instructional and organizational systems. Um, I think that you know um, you have to have a backbone, a foundation for your campus if you're gonna lead it well, and you have to be well organized. Um, people don't quit organizations; they quit people. Mm -hmm. And if people oh, don't put yeah. the right systems in place, they will quit on you. Though you can have the best teacher. But if you don't have a system where everyone can go on, understand it, be able to break it down in simple reality terms, you know, they don't want to read a two pager. They want to be able to, hey, here's my PLCs. Hey, here's my handbook. This is the Teams. This is how I log in. And you have to have a one stop system, whatever it is, Google Suite, um, um, Google Drive, Teams, um, OneNote works for me. But my campus knows this is how it, this is the system. It's clear. And anything you need, it's a one-stop shop. Um, they don't want to go to 20 different platforms, a one-stop shop. So figuring out what your one-stop shop is that meets the academic and um, those SMART goals that your campus needs to lead. Because if not, you will go in a hundred different directions so fast. And you're like in May and you're like, what did I do? Did I do anything well? Because you're piecing systems together. So have a one-stop shop. Mm -hmm. Okay. Another tip that I would throw out there to educational leaders is anything that can be flipped into a digital format, go ahead and flip it. No more staff meetings. COVID forces you to get away from people in a weird way anyway. So even when the world opens back up, don't revert back to your old way of doing things, because if it can be a video conversation, a post, some voice memo that you can send out to your staff, they will appreciate that because they can maximize their time and not have everyone assembled, listen to your regular spiel that you're gonna say every year in August. You can record it and you can archive it so that you can pull it back out the next school year or even the next semester as a refresher for the kids or for your staff. So just, if it can be flipped, go ahead and start flipping now. Don't wait until the world opens up to try these things. Cause right now we have nothing to lose. We're all at home trying to make it make sense. So flip those staff meetings, flip those announcements, Flip those memos, those newsletters that we hold on to so dearly. Flip them, record yourself, do it in the privacy of your home. Get your tripod out, get your selfie stick, get going, flip it and put it out. I like that. I like that. Um, my second tip would be uh, don't forget relationships matter. And relationships matter in so many different ways. Um, I think, Danielle, you, you talked about Facebook, um, Instagram. Instagram was huge for my kids, right? I'm not a big Instagram person, but my kids are. So then I had to re-educate re myself and make sure I was Instagramming when I could. So having your different platforms to build those relationships. So from Instagram to Facebook to Twitter to, um, to your website to just whatever those social media platforms and being very familiar. 
relationships matter. So when they see you doing it, they'll do it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So being a role model for technology, you using those technologies to build and not just say, hey, I told you to go online and and post it, right? But that you're being putting yourself out there, that you're modeling, that you're modeling self-care, that you're building relationships, that you're keeping them energized, that you're using the latest platform and that you're having that human connection using technology because I can know just as much as about my community when I'm reading Instagram, when I'm getting Facebook, uh, when I'm getting um, Twitter uh, tweets, sorry, tweets. And um, so relationships matter and how you build that social media relationship is just as important because if you're doing great things and you're not putting it out there as a leader, then no one's going to know. You've got to sell your school. you got to market your school. You gotta, um, you gotta have your kids excited about that. Have your kids market the school. Hey, we're doing great things in the classroom. This is what my teacher's showing us. Um, teachers saying that about what they're doing in the classroom. Your principal tweeting everything that everyone's doing as much as we can. So relationships matter. Don't work in isolation. Um, get, get what you're doing out there in the world so that we can learn from each other. You know, education is not something that's just new. It's, it's, a, it's a will and we and we just recycle things and learning ways. So the more we can put out great things that we're doing, the more we can help each other as educators. So um, relationships matter. Right. And, to, and to piggyback on that, my last tip would definitely be to promote peer-to-peer learning. And so that adult learning, let's not miss the boat on that. So we should be spotlighting our teachers, our teacher leaders in our building. If they have a tech tip, or a new understanding or because our teachers are also on social media and they're in those teacher hubs and cohorts online. We're learning things daily. We need to give them the platform and the space to share that out with the rest of the staff. So you can create a space where every month, grade K, you're up first, September. What's your tech tip of the month? What's your tech tip of the week? What is your new understanding? How do we share that with the rest of the building? We're only going to grow if we grow together. So I that helps you as a leader. You don't feel like you have to know everything and there's power in numbers so they can grab those things faster because there's more of them on the team than you. So if we create a space as leaders for them to naturally share that out, they will be looking for opportunities to find other tech tools, resources, research, you name it, and they can push it out to the rest of the team. We will win together for sure. I love it. I like that. Love it. My last tip will be get your app right. And I say that get your apps right because it has to be aligned with your SMART goals. Come on, at the end of the day, accountability, we're going to take the start test and HI is in, in Texas, right? So get your apps straight. Don't just do gimmicks because they're they're cute and they're fun. You know, know your instructional apps that really align to your SMART goals. Really, if you want to increase literacy, we're going to use Flipgrid. We're going to use Pear Deck um, because we want to move literacy. Um, we're going to use Teams as our platform for live lessons, right? We're going to use OneNote for those organizational systems. So know your apps. You know, we're going to use Goose Chase to do scavenger hunts, get kids excited about learning. Um, so know what apps work, whether that's Quizits, whether that's vocabulary.com, whether that's your um, hub platform, your LMS platforms, whatever those apps and platforms are. Make sure that those are aligned with your instructional goals for your campus. Again, if you don't have those apps aligned with the instructional piece, that these are my three smart goals. We we're going to increase achievement. We're going to do um, literacy. You know, we're going to improve our telepass scores. If you don't have that up front, you've got to align it with your apps. And if they're not aligned, then everyone's going in a different direction. You can't be jack of all trades. So get your apps right. Make sure they align with your. Uh, with your SIP, your score improvement plan, and, and make sure that there's consistency. Kids need consistency in this time of age more than anything else. Adults need it just as much as kids do. We need mm-hmm. consistency. So get your apps connected with your SIP and make sure they're pushing your instructional values of your community and your campus. Love that. Yeah. that. it's just a team you know I go online and I'm like hey hey what's that school doing hey why aren't we doing that they that that way I want that or hey they're doing videos that principal doing her announcement 
How come I'm still doing a newsletter? Amy, I'm still doing a newsletter. But the Valera principal has all his online. He's like super amazing, right? Um, you know, you just gotta borrow and steal from each other as leaders. And you know, copyright, of course, is important. I'll throw yeah. out copyright. You know, I don't want to break any copy copyright laws. But you know, being creative and, and being okay with I may not have all the answers, right? So who's doing it better and how can I, you know, learn from them? Right. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you guys for sharing your tips today. Uh, it has been very amazing. I love the conversation that we had, and I'm hoping that we're able to help uh, someone else out there that may be just trying to figure it all out, just like we all are too. But always hearing each other's voices, as you're saying, we're in this together, being supportive of each other, and reaching out and being okay with learning and uh, putting yourself out there in, the, I guess, in a vulnerable space to. Um, adapt and change to this new normal. So I want to thank you guys for joining me today. Um, I really appreciate the knowledge and your experience that you share with me and your listeners. Uh, well, I'm sorry, your listeners, my listeners, but you have listeners too. So I'm going to make sure that we remind them where they can find you on uh, social media. So if you guys want to share how they can now become part of your network. Yeah. You can follow me on in, uh, Twitter at Teach Danny Teach and you can Hunt me down on Facebook at Danny Wallace. Um, you can follow me at um, my campus, Welch Middle School. Um, you Or personally, you can follow me at, at R Rosa Elva Hernan on Twitter or um, my company, PNR Educational Solutions at our website, um, preducationalsolutions.com or at, at educ underscore solutions. Um, we're here to invest in you. Um, and I'm here to invest. You know, I think women power is important. I love it that we're all a panel of women, a women of color, women who are intelligent, bright, and willing to share those ideas. Daniel, I learned, Danielle, I learned so much from you. Dr. Mack, I learned things every day from you when we work together. I'm very blessed to be surrounded today, this afternoon with women who um, are willing to put out their ideas and, and just so I can learn from them. So thank you for inviting me. We're very blessed to be here. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. All right. Thank you for listening to the Tech It Up Talk podcast with Dr. Mack, your host with the most passion for supporting educators on using and implementing technology. Be sure to catch our weekly episodes every Friday and connect with me on the Tech It Up Talk Facebook page and Twitter and Instagram at Tech It Up Talk or at Dr. J.E. McDonald. Now, I know teching may not always be easy, but it sure is fun.